I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. Hey, welcome everybody. So we are live and my name is Raul and I'm keeping real wrestling alive here on the Catch Wrestling Alliance channel. Hopefully you guys can hear me. I'm using a different mic today. So uh, let me know if you can or cannot hear me. I think um, it should be actually pretty good today. Uh, I tested it out. Um, I tested it out beforehand. So I'm hoping it works and I'm, hope- I'm hoping that this audio is much better than before. Okay, but yeah, let me know in the comments uh, what, you know, if you can hear me or not. Should be good. It should be good. (laughs) Okay, so uh, I want to start by honoring uh, the passing of Dick Cardinal. So he uh, was uh, basically one of the old-time legit catch wrestlers. Um, He passed away. We found out that he passed away over... Uh, the winter break. I think it was be- just before Christmas, if not Christmas Eve. Um, so um, I think what um, what we're going to talk about later kind of corresponds to what I know about him. Um, he was actually one of the good mentors of my good buddy on the East Coast, John Strickland. So um, ultimately, one of the things that I'm thinking about beforehand is that like we have a lot of people who write books about catch wrestling or like catch wrestling history or wrestling history in general. But what I've noticed is a lot of them aren't re- like they're they are they are researchers and I'm um, sure they do a good job. They do you know, they do a fine job right doing, uh, you know, finding information. But uh, a lot of them aren't necessarily the actual wrestling practitioners. So. If you want someone who is studying the the art and does it himself and does it very well uh, and actually studies a lot of the history, then John Strickland, with regards to the American catch wrestling lineage and history and how to actually do it, how to apply these moves, uh, you know, John Strickland would be the actual expert, I be- in, in my opinion, right? It's not just because he's my friend or anything like that, um, but it's because um because he, he it's not just like he, he he knows the information and he knows how to apply it so that's usually the the key to uh someone who's like a real real expert besides just knowing the information like he can actually bring it to life and uh dick cardinal was uh, one of his mentors and they would spend a lot of time uh talking to each other on the phone um and uh, besides that, let's give you a little bit more of the, an understanding of how wrestling was uh, for Dick Cardinal. So Dick, besides just uh, besides doing wrestling competitions, he also participated in those 
AT shows, right? So what that means is that like he would uh, take part uh, in kind of like the all all comers type matches. And so a lot of times a carnival would set that up where like maybe you'd have a crowd that um, uh, they might be shy at first. So they might plant someone in the audience to uh, like be the first person to go up and grapple with the against their the, their unbeatable person to see if uh, see if they can pin them or you know just take advantage of the the person who's representing the carnival. So that actually happened um, quite often, and you'll actually have a lot of history uh, with regards to Farmer Burns, who, who we'll talk about later, um, having those types of matches. And I believe that's one of the ways that Farmer Burns ultimately met Frank Gotch. And then after they had this kind of public match where, where it was set, where it's like if someone could wrestle with Farmer Burns and last like 10 minutes without getting pinned, uh, that they would win some money. So I believe that that is exactly how Frank Gotch met Martin Burns because Frank saw Martin as like, you know, this big time wrestler and he wanted to uh, test his skills and also, you know, meet this big time guy. And anyway, I might be rambling on about that, but I mean, uh, basically I believe they met in Fort Dodge, which is just a few miles south of Frank Gotch's hometown of Humboldt, Iowa. So um, they basically wrestlers would travel around uh, doing these types of wrestling events, which I think is pretty much unheard of nowadays, right? Because um, uh, different liability laws and all that uh, prevent us from doing those types of things uh, where anybody can just come up and uh, have a wrestle, right? It, it, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of potential for uh, injuries and getting sued and all that. So so that's why you don't necessarily see that nowadays, because um, the way uh, Dick Cardinal and other people, say like Billy Wicks, who also participated in those types of shows, um, a lot of times they would describe, uh, you know, really having, you know, really having to go up against some really good amateur wrestlers who might not be catch wrestlers, but they might be like uh, someone you might know nowadays where, where it would be like someone who does division one uh, collegiate wrestling and uh, they would they would then have to use a submission hold usually to get control of them so it's like they would have to use something that was illegal uh, for their collegiate wrestling uh, to uh, counter them and you know get them to roll over onto their back or or whatever the rule set was for that particular match so that's kind of how how it was uh, set up, and uh, Dick Cardinal did a lot of those types of events. Um, he definitely beat a lot of amateur wrestlers, uh, people who were considered very good at their at that time, um, and he was able to pin them and uh, really submit a lot of these people using all types of locks and stuff. But it wasn't like uh, he wouldn't. I believe that he wouldn't have considered uh, himself as like a man of a thousand holds or anything like that. Uh, he thought of it the way that I, I want you guys to think about these, like, about wrestling and catch wrestling in particular and submission wrestling, where it's like, ultimately it is wrestling and uh, you find ways to uh, get control over your opponent. And if it happens that you get the person into, or you, you find the opportunity to do a submission hold, great. 
great, but it's, you shouldn't necessarily be thinking like, oh, I know all these variations of a of a Kimura hold, or I know all these variations of a double wrist lock or whatever. It's it's usually you want to think of the principle, and then see if that doesn't get you into a potential submission uh, position, right? So. Uh, I believe, at least from my understanding of the stories that I heard uh, that came from Dick Cardinal, um, he kind of saw it that way. And that's how he would approach matches, uh, especially against like good amateur wrestlers. And, you know, again, he was he was then able to to beat them using principle based stuff. He's not necessarily going in thinking of a, a game plan or anything like that. All right. So. um Yes, so Millie Hendricks, thank you for your comment. Uh, Millie commented, a truly remarkable man. Yes, and I'm glad you commented that at that time because what it reminded me of is uh, the next chapter in Farmer Burns' life of life of or life's work of Farmer Burns' book, where uh, it's it's all about honesty. And I believe, from all I understand uh, about uh, Dick Cardinal, is that. Uh, one of the reasons why he lived so long into his 90s is because he kind of he tried to live as honestly as possible and uh, he was very concerned about his health so um he he um you know was very fit for a very very long time he even uh taught uh seniors fitness classes and stuff like that at the at his local senior center and so he he was able to kind of apply this type of honest living uh, into his life. And that ultimately gave him a strong body that lasted into his 90s. So let's go ahead and kind of talk about the lesson from Farmer Burns' book, because I think it applies. So that's why I kind of brought it up. So Farmer Burns, in uh, in the, the book that I keep on reading you, to you guys, The Life Work of Farmer Burns, um, the next chapter actually is about honesty and its effects upon man's physical condition, right? So he, this chapter is kind of a transitionary chapter where he talks about like, well, like there is a whole thing about where you, you'll hear honesty is the best policy. Uh, but uh, Burns kind of says like quite often you'll hear about, you'll hear that from someone who's about to try to rip you off or, uh, he actually specifically mentions like maybe a, some kind of preacher will say that to you, but then they don't necessarily apply the principle in their life. And he in turn wants you to, again, apply this principle into your life. And then he wants to extend that, that whole idea uh, to, for you as the, the wrestler. And in particular, he's, he's mentioning a man so a male, like not just, not just, we're not talking about humans in general, but uh, he specifically mentions like, so if you're a male and you're a wrestler, and if you can apply this, this whole principle of honesty, like living your life in an honest way, um, then in turn, if you end up having a son of your own, then you can in turn, uh, like help your child to be a better person overall if by you applying these types of principles in your life and in their life, right? So let's go ahead and give you a few quotes out of this chapter. It's kind of funny because he, he he starts talking about this like, like uh, oh, this is just kind of like a short chapter because uh, I want to just 
let you guys know this principle because in the next chapter, I want to go more in depth into uh, the proper ways of training children. But this, this chapter ends up being kind of a long one. <laughs> so I'm going to go and give you some of the highlights here because, again, I already kind of told you what he talks about at first where he says like, oh, well, you know, like some preacher can kind of say these kinds of things, but you got to put it into practice. Right. So let's see. So this is this is Burns. All right. Honesty must be the basic principle of every man who expects to be strong physically or mentally. If a man is honest with himself and his fellows everywhere and upon every occasion, he is the proud possessor of a good feeling that enables him to perform great tasks and at the same time keep on a continual search for better things. He does not have to waste his time attempting to find excuses for the past. Neither does he need to have any fear that he will be confronted in any moment by his deceit and its consequences in the future. So basically, um, he's saying if you stop to think, you'll find that this theory is about as near to the truth as it possibly can be. Right. And then he kind of mentions where it's like, yeah, it's like, um, where does like where does dishonesty come from? And he feels that it comes from fear, right? So, uh, and then he gives the example of children because like that's what he wants to go to next where he's talking about training children. Um, but he mentions like quite often, it's like a, if a child lies to you, it's from fear. They don't necessarily want punishment or they don't want to feel embarrassed or humiliated. And um, so to save themselves that humiliation or punishment, uh, then they, they might lie and say they didn't do whatever you're asking them, asking them about like if something got broken and if you ask like what who did this and they might just lie to you to in an attempt to save themselves that humiliation because of that the root is ultimately in his opinion fear so um he's going to talk about that in a second right so um but the best like ultimately i think he feels like even though you might have that fear of humiliation or punishment or whatever Again, uh, honesty will probably minimize a lot of, like, say, a lot of the bad things that can come uh, as opposed to you lying about something, right? And then having to suffer, suffer consequences later, right? So parents who pride themselves upon their excellence, their excellent control over their children frequently wonder where the child receives his first lesson in dishonesty, why he tells the lie where the truth would have served as well. And the discovery often causes the, the little one severe punishment and a fresh supply of fear. So it is humiliating to the child to receive a whipping, and he is but human. So that since nature demands that he actively engage in some task, whether it be mischief that seems malicious or just a plain piece of strenuous boyish enterprise that gets him into disfavor at court, he is liable to use whatever tool he can think of to keep himself out of humiliation and disgrace. Right? That is why we speak of honesty at this time. When your fellow uh, 
when your little fellow commences to ask questions, try and spare him enough time to give him a satisfactory answer. Take him around with you and make a pal of him. He will appreciate it in the days to come, and you will find that your time has been well spent later in life when you need a pal that will stick through thick and thin. All right, so um, that's kind of his idea where it's like ultimately, honestly, is the best policy and spending time with your kids to help teach them that uh, will benefit not only them in their lives, but you as well, especially if you need them later on, if you need their emotional support later on in your life. Um, and then he, he goes on and talks about one event and he actually puts a newspaper clipping about an event that happened at the YMCA uh, in the state next door, Nebraska, because I guess they had a meeting where they tried to encourage uh, fathers and sons to come to so they can uh, have a, a series of lectures about probably like being a better father to your kids, to your son in particular. So he, I'll, I'll, um, let me go ahead and read a little bit of the the quotes from some of the, the presentations that, that were given. All right. So Mr. Wade from New York City gave a speech at the YMCA in Omaha. I believe it was Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, there was over 200 uh, in attendance. Um, so he said, chumminess between father and son, said the speaker, is the ideal state toward which the Young Men's Christian Association, the YMCA, and the Sunday School is now working most masterfully. There are two fundamental factors that stand between the problem and its solution. First, and I think it's going to be interesting for you guys, okay? Because to think about this, this when this was written in the early 1900s, and we still have debates about the next line coming up to this day, in the United States at least. Okay, so the problem and its solution. The first is the unpunished crime of parenthood or the lack of sex instruction. The second is wrong treatment of the gang tie, quote unquote gang tie. So the gang tie is one of the strongest ties known to boyhood, said Mr. Wade. And the idea is not to pull him out of the gang but to make the whole gang what you would have your own son be. The speaker heavily scored American parents for their neglect of sex instruction, calling it the mighty privilege as well as the responsibility of the father. So um, let me see if there's another quote here. No, and there's, and then I'll kind of give you the, the, like the last. <clears throat> so going back to what Farmer Burns is saying, um, he says the YMCA's every effort is for the boys' physical, mental, and moral welfare, and they have had years of experience in handling in the handling of boys, so that this excellent organization undoubtedly has good reasons for starting such a movement, and as the above article describes. Right. So and then the last sentence is having touched upon honesty, breeding and its beneficial results to both physical and, men and mental man, we will proceed, you know, but talking about 
how to train young boys, right? So sex education, I think ultimately here they could be uh, talking about ultimately how it's like the, the responsibility of the father to help uh, educate the son. But I think they're probably also talking about not only like uh, sexual activity, but uh, maybe even like uh, teaching responsibility as well. Like uh, uh, in our society, in the United States society, uh, a lot of times they talk about m men having to, um, like the gender roles, basically men having uh, the responsibility of maybe trying to land a job and uh, provide for a uh, potential family in the future. Um, this is, I think these are things that also are, were, are like kind of the reference in these types of statements. Um, but all that stuff, you know, talking about all these things with your kid um, is very, very important. Also having uh, parents involved with raising a kid, also very important. So uh, ultimately what's, what Farmer Burns says in the beginning about, it, you know, taking the time to talk to your kid, if they have questions, uh, taking the time to answer the questions, ultimately that is going to be a benefit to them and to you. Um, so um, they, uh, you know, so just do it, right? <laughs> so take the time. And then uh, later he'll talk about how to train kids in general. But ultimately, I think these are the, since this is the first thing he brought up as the preface to training kids, then this is, like what you want to be thinking about first, you know, totally having that honesty is the best policy and applying that into your life and not trying to like how he mentions at the beginning, you don't want to necessarily follow the idea where like, you know, how he mentions like a, a preacher where they might say like, Oh, honesty is the best policy. And then they proceed to rip you off or whatever. You want to actually uh, try to live your life as in the best way possible. And in Farmer Burns' other writings, like if you if you were one of his students at that time, in his distance learning class where he would mail you lessons, a lot of times he would talk about that where you you know he wanted you to be eating clean and also be doing outside type of uh, workouts and um, workouts that were basically like having you run or lift weights, uh, stretching, all these types of things. Uh, and that would also be part of this type of, I, I would say, this type of honesty that you would have with your body, with your mind. Um, and um, like, I, let me give you a personal example. So I know one one of my old patients, um, the senior, he, when I met him, he was already a senior citizen. But he told me that he had, you know, he had adult children already, with, you know, and they're already uh, you know, out of the house, they had their own families and whatnot. But what he said um, with regards to what he felt was the key to his children being so successful in their life uh, was putting them into sports. So he didn't like they like he didn't necessarily feel that like he didn't pressure them into becoming professional athletes or whatever. But um, and and I don't think that they did become professional athletes in their sports. But he felt that sports kept them out of trouble and it helped teach them discipline and all that. But ultimately, like if you have something to kind of work towards, so if you have some kind of ethics, I think um, Farmer Burns is really all about ethics <laughs> and that is what will keep you motivated to your training routine, right? Your strength and conditioning, 
besides just doing your regular like uh, rolling or you know your regular drills for wrestling or your sparring for wrestling it is all these uh, this kind of this kind of ethic that kind of underlies uh, your philosophy or the, or the way you want to be living your life that's really I think for farmer burns is what's going to keep you doing all the, all the extra work that will make you good at wrestling and even even burns talks about like um, all these types of uh, workouts and stuff like that will will not only sharpen your body and mind, um, that will then in turn become something that will make you more valuable as just a human. Whether you know if you decide to not become a professional athlete, if you decide to work somewhere uh, for somebody, you'll you'll become more valuable as an like an employee or or a dad or you know. So it's like it's taking these ideas and applying them to your work ethic but also your your daily life so that kind of like has like uh the work ethic actually becomes kind of like uh, uh the way you approach your life but also kind of just becomes the way you you live your life ultimately and i think that's what farmer burns um was was kind of all about because you see him mentioning this stuff like all the time he's like you got to go outside you got to work out outside for a few hours take a walk if you can walk to work even if it's a few miles go for it and stuff like that you'll, you'll see um him mention that and he kind of prefers more of the the country life or at least like living where uh, the outdoors are nice and clean and you have a big open space right and where his grave is is actually like a big open space um the little town where he lived is very very little very tiny and it's just surrounded by open fields cornfields um it's 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 quite amazing kind of like corn as far as the eye can see in iowa um so um his grave is there and i think i've sh shared pictures uh of us being there i was there with um, mike chapman and also Curran jacobs uh, we went to pay our respects to farmer burns we also want to make sure that uh, you know, we're all we're also paying respects to Dick Cardinal and his family and friends. And um, so, with that being said, I think those are the the main points that I wanted to make. I want to kind of give a shout out to um, you know Dick and uh, Dick Cardinal, and you know we're remembering him and honoring him. Uh, but then also want to kind of give some ideas or, about kind of like the whole idea of honesty in your life. I, I really think that. Dick Cardinal really embodied a lot of those principles and it showed with uh, just how strong he was mentally and physically. Um, so if you guys have any questions, you can go ahead and go ahead and keep on asking. Just had a couple comments this time. So thank you, uh, Joe Biden, CCP agent. <laughs> That's a pretty funny name. Um, these broadcasts are gold. All right. Thank you for, for saying that. Um, yeah, I really want to try to bring you guys some uh, some ways to kind of uh, take the information from wrestling and uh, apply it not only with your study, your training, but um, like how to apply it to your daily life. So kind of like how Farmer Burns, I think that's that's Farmer Burns' whole point where it's like you don't necessarily have to be uh, a pro wrestler like me. You can, you know, you can uh, better your life uh, with even uh, at any stage of your life. So at any age by like say in today's lesson or whatever, today's chapter about honesty, right? So if you're living your life as honestly as possible, you're not going to have to deal with 
uh, problems when problems arise with regards to lying or, you know, like, or trying, if you lie so much that eventually someone's going to catch you in a lie. If you, if you live honestly, uh, you're never going to be in that situation. Uh, so Joe Biden, CCP agent, it's the most positive act of self-love we can do. I am grateful I found this channel. Oh, that, that's thank you for putting that compliment at the at the end there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's really the most positive act of self-love you can do because uh, you know you're, you're really taking away a lot of the mental stress, right? If if you're if you're um, so concerned about uh, the fear, the fear and avoiding like humiliation or, or avoiding hard work or, or punishment, uh, then you, you know, like you're going to be lying, right? So you don't want to be lying. It's better to actually like face your problems, fix the problems, or actually live in a way that minimizes the growth of problems, right? So um, I think, uh, you know, wrestling ultimately is kind of like that microcosm of, of that, where it's like, if you're, if you're doing the strength and conditioning, if you're drilling and you understand the techniques and you understand the wrestling principles, then you can ultimately find ways to uh, solve your problems, whether, whether you, in this case, in catch wrestling, your problem is going to be either how are you going to pin this person or how are you going to submit this person? And so by understanding these types of principles, you can find a way to solve these problems, right? Uh, and if you're actually putting in the work, right? Because this, this is the thing that I run into a lot of times. So I think this can kind of be related to the whole honesty thing. Or it's like I've been, I, I've, I've traveled to uh, different cities and I've trained in different gyms and this and that. And then you, you, you inevitably run into the person who's like, Oh, I know all these different styles of whatever martial art, and oh, I've done catch wrestling. This is the one that I, <laughs> this is the one that I hear uh, more and more nowadays. I think where someone's like, "Oh, I, I learned catch wrestling, and I've I've trained in it for whatever X amount of years and whatnot." But then when they when they, if you get a chance to roll with them. It, the the truth comes out right where it's like it's like what kind of catch wrestling are you doing or it's like uh, you know you got pinned real quick you're trying to do some kind of jujitsu move and and it didn't work and all that so uh, there was a, a incident where you know even a couple of my beginner students just uh, you know submitted this dude that was claiming that he did catch wrestling for whatever however x amount you know a bunch of years. Um, and it kind of like really kind of had this kind of arrogance about the way he was saying it. And, and, but even the beginner, I, I wouldn't want to say it wasn't a complete beginner as someone who, uh, had done folk style for a little bit, uh, but was more of a beginner to catch wrestling and like, like no problem for, for this person to submit the, the, the person who's boasting about their abilities. So it's like, just be humble. And, you know, if you want to. Yeah, you like that old saying. Uh, I, I would say it's like you, you ain't got to lie to kick it, right? It's like it's like you can uh, we can all train and you know like get a good workout together, and you don't have to uh, start saying about all the stuff you know, even if, even if you really don't know it. All right, so let's get back to your guys' comments here. Okay, so let me see where where were we at here. Um, 
Do you follow the way? Says, what kind of life lessons did the older generations of wrestling want to pass on? Why does ethics and character seem to be promoted more in Asian martial arts than in wrestling? Good question. Um, <clears throat> I think ultimately, say with amateur wrestling, you can still get that type of idea where the, the coaches will tell the parents like, oh, if you, if you put your kid in wrestling, it does teach discipline and this and that. But um, <clears throat> what we find, I would, I would and it's good that you mentioned the Asian martial art um, kind of contrast, is that um, uh, the, I think with, with regards to Western countries, there is kind of that separation between that whole philosophy thing uh, and what we have now, and you're seeing, you're seeing it more and more in the news where um, you'll have martial arts uh, in general, so not just like uh, wrestling, but you might even see some... Uh, M M M you see it more in MMA where you'll see some people with like not necessarily like the virtue aspect, but the whole kind of even far kind of right wing political aspect where they're where they're kind of they're they're actually incentivized to be kind of inflammatory, right? To to like in order to get a fight, they're gonna have to trash the other person in, in social media, and then so then it it starts this whole kind of gossip where it's like, you know, like it builds up and, and ultimately sells a fight. Um, so in a way, it's like in, in Western cultures, and I guess we kind of seen it, like how, how you kind of mentioned where it's like in Western cultures, maybe it has been that way longer. And you'll still see this whole idea of, of uh, like promoting the, the, the virtues and ethics that you can uh, learn from martial arts or you can learn from like training. Um, you, you can see these in, or you see those kind of those things highlighted more in Asian martial arts. But again, it's like, um, I, I'd want to actually go out on a limb. Actually, I'm not going out on a limb. I think there's even research behind this where it's like training in any martial arts, even if you train in Asia, uh, it doesn't necessarily make you a better person overall. Right. But um, it can, like the the potential is there, <laughs> so I think ultimately there's a lot of things that have to go into making you a better person, and I think uh, you know even Farmer Burns in the chapter about fathers talking to their sons and you know being good friends with with their sons is is a part of it, but then also you know you always got, you got to do other kinds of research into uh, ethics and you know kind of educating yourself about. Uh, not just right and wrong, but understanding that there are gray areas in life and uh, how to, uh, uh, if we're talking about raising a child, you know, how to not make them feel ashamed of if, even if anything goes wrong and, you know, how to be honest with each other and this and that. So um, there's a lot to it. So even if, I would say even training in Asia doesn't necessarily make you a, a good person, but uh, ultimately having this type of philosophy has the potential to uh, get you there. <laughs> um, okay, let's get to the next question. Um, oh, but actually, well, before we get to the next question, so I think that's why you'll see marketing for one championship, that the Asian MMA promotion, where they try to promote um, the athletes more than the trash talk. And I think they even had one, uh, one, um, one incident where it's like they're their CEO said that Conor McGregor wouldn't be welcome in one championship. They would never uh, hire him if he was like a free agent and wanted to fight there. 
Um, ultimately, they actually are bigger than UFC with regards to like viewership. Uh, more people see their uh, events than UFC. Um, also because they make it available for more people and they, um, and also you have like really intense high populations in the, some of these Asian countries and they have access to watch these events, but ultimately, yeah, more people watch that and they try to build up the, the character or like help you to understand more about each fighter. So, um, that's, that's also a contrast between, uh, maybe something with regards to Asian Asian stuff, right? So in this case, an Asian MMA promotion and a Western MMA promotion. All right, next question. All right, so uh, Joe Biden, CCP agent. So you're in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, I've, I've been to Cleveland a couple times, so maybe uh, I can go to Cincinnati one day. Um, okay, next question. Character is a big part of wrestling, but it's not well known outside the room. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. Like, so I kind of mentioned it right now with one championship where they try to, um, with as as a company, they try to let people know through their social media um, more about the the athletes, right? And so, I, so you don't necessarily see the athletes uh, arguing with each other on social media to try to build up a fight. Um, um, but you will see that in Western promotions. So um, I think that's that's one of the differences. I, I believe that it should be the company. Like, say, if, if we have a promotion, uh, you know, any, any MMA promotion, or I, I even try to do it on our social media for the Catch Wrestling Alliance. You know, I really try to share highlights from each uh, each of the participants in our in our events, right? So hopefully, more people know. I think more people are knowing these names because some of you guys are commenting and saying you're asking about certain people in particular. Um, so um, I'm trying to do that, and I think we'll try to do a, do that even more as uh, time goes on. But yeah, you, you can actually learn a lot about the different fighters uh, on on one championship's social media. Um, I think even better than uh, say like if you look at UFC social media. They'll, they'll have a lot of great pictures there or even some kind of highlight moves, but in one championship, they'll actually have um, kind of stories about the the people themselves. Um, not all of them. I think there's probably still some favorites, right, that they'll share even like more often, but um, uh, you'll at least get some kind of understanding of who these people are. All right, Blanche Ramirez. So, yeah. That Blanche Ramirez is actually, uh, I'm assuming this is my mom or my sister. I'm assuming it's my mom. <laughs> uh, so the truth will always set you free. That's very true. So you you stress out less if you're honest, right? Uh, do you follow the way? True. I think selling fights, tainted boxing, and MMA culture. Yeah. Um, ultimately, you, I believe that you can have a, like, say, a profitable uh, organization, whether it be boxing or MMA, without all the trash talk and all that and but again it, it goes to ed the education aspect where if the promotion can educate the audience as to why they should care about the fighters right because i think nowadays i mean there's there are a lot of mma promotions and uh like you just don't know unless unless say like i know the person personally or um or i've I don't know, I found out about them or they're, you know, there's someone's talking about them that I wouldn't necessarily 
know based off of uh, the advertisements, right? So uh, one championship, actually, I know more of who these who those fighters are because of their social media and their attempts to um, to educate people about them. So that, that's all right. that's why I keep bringing that up. And actually, I look I look to them as kind of a model um, of uh, how a promotion should do social media. So um, you know, you really have to uh, show that these people are individuals and they have their own interesting stories, uh, their own interesting life stories, um, and they are um, they like they are good athletes, and it that should be kind of like put above their ability to trash talk right right um because i don't necessarily believe that that was like a huge thing uh even when uh, in the heyday of catch wrestling right you have a lot of um yeah and, and that's why it became say with regards to wrestling that's why uh, dan gable lost his only match right to gary owings right so um he used kind of like the psychological warfare on on Gable and Gable was used to having everything kind of be straightforward and uh, with regards to press conferences and this and that. And then, oh, sorry, not Gary, Larry. All right. So then Larry in the press conference, he um, he um, said, oh, I'm going to beat him and, and whatever. He didn't I, I wouldn't necessarily consider that trash talk so much. He didn't he didn't go as far as like people nowadays, um, but it's it was so out of the ordinary that it, that, that allowed him to get into uh, Dan Gable's head and ultimately got him the win. And it was basically, was it uh, uh, Dan's only loss there? And then he went on to just like dominate everyone <laughs> for, for years after that. All right. Okay. So next question, Joe Biden, CCP agent uh, in your question, in your opinion, is spirituality an aspect of character development which can aid a fighter athlete? If yes, what techniques have you used? For example, visu vis visualization, prayer, rituals, etc. cetera. Um, uh, I think it's possible. Ultimately, the how or what I learned over the years, besides doing, so like I did a lot of uh, Chinese kickboxing or Sanda and um, through like my interest in Chinese like kung fu styles, I ended up learning uh, like several forms of tai chi and also uh, what it's called qigong. But I, I think that can be more precisely understood as a meditation style. Tai chi also, but it's just it takes a lot longer to learn. But uh, qigong is very very simple. You just have different positions that you kind of stand and breathe in. Uh, so I think that is way more effective at getting you into that. Um, that um, like the meditation mindset where you kind of get out of fight or flight and you can just like relax your mind. And then uh, uh, I think that's, that is the, the Qigong is the easiest way to get you into that state, into that flow state. Um, so I think with regards to uh, competing and this and that, uh, I think that those types of things so like Qigong actually involves like the vis visualization. For some reason, I'm not <laughs> able to say that word today, but uh, but you know what I mean, where it's like you can kind of envision like uh, your breath kind of controlling the circulation of energy in your body. And that can help you to calm down because you're only if you're only thinking about these types of little tasks, then it gets it gets the rest of your psychological pressure like off of you like pretty quickly. 
So that's why I'd recommend that over Tai Chi because Tai Chi, then you have to first learn a whole form. So you have to learn a whole sequence of movements. And then, and then once you know that so well that you don't have to think about it, you, know, you can just do it. Then that's when you can uh, really get into that whole meditation mindset, that whole flow state type thing. Um, so that's, that's what I've used. Yeah, prayer also is good. It's one way of meditation. I think I consider all of these types of things meditation. Prayer wouldn't necessarily be moving meditation uh, because if, if you just stay still, you know, where, wherever you're at, uh, that's where you're at, right? So uh, Qigong and uh, I think even like uh, yoga and this and that, those are considered moving meditation styles. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I actually really love yoga as well. I think that also ended up uh, protecting my joints a lot. Um, because of the, the types of movements you do in yoga. Um, uh, so there's a lot of benefits to these types of moving meditation as well. All right, next question. Uh, do you follow the way? Like the Ream documentary was awesome to tell Alistair Overeem's story. I wish more of that would be done. I lo I'd love a documentary on Sakuraba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a documentary on Sakuraba would be good as well because... Um, so people can understand better his origins um, because besides his great achievements in MMA and, you know, beating all the, the Gracies uh, who were at their prime, he beat them in their prime. So uh, that was a big accomplishment. Right, and then also so people could know that he did have some training time with Roy Wood as well. Um, so um, I think that'd be good to get out there. Okay. So Joe Biden, CCP agent. So integrating the mindset of Qigong, or OM as an act of self-control and self-awareness. Um, yes, yes. So like the whole Qigong, Tai Chi, um, um, uh, you know, yo yoga type stuff uh, can help self-control, self-awareness, kind of get you the meditative mindset. But again, like, like I said earlier, like martial arts or even these types of meditation things doesn't necessarily make you a good person because like what you see is like... Um, uh, you'll see, like, say, with regards to yoga, there's some there's some really famous yoga practitioners who uh, ended up, like, even, uh, what, like, uh, getting arrested or, you know, like, basically trying to take advantage of a lot of their their followers or their affiliates for, uh, like, like there's, like, one big-time yoga guy that ended up uh, opening all these yoga branches all over the world. I think he got, like, arrested or something. So you can, you can find inc incidents like that. Um, so I think all these things help, but as long as you have, uh, and there's a lot of work you have to do. So as long as you have like that work ethic, uh, where you can, you, where you're training body, mind, um, and, uh, learning about, uh, maybe different perspectives. I think that's kind of a way you can do that where it's like you learn, uh, different philosophies, different, uh, um, perspectives from different parts of the world or different parts of, or different philosophers, um, then that might help you get a um, better sense of, of how to be a better person or at least uh, someone who's doing less harm to the world. And you can still be a, such a high-level athlete, right? Because we've, we've seen that many times where it's like people who, um, who take on, a, you know, like a vegan diet, you know, crushing like uh, speed, land speed records. Um, so that their, their philosophy is like trying to do the least amount of harm and still show that you can be a, a high level athlete. Um, so yeah, the, the, 
like it's interesting we got into this tangent but uh, i think it's still with uh stays it's within the framework of what we're talking about ultimately and i, I believe with regards to uh, dick cardinal i believe he pretty much tried to uh, live cleanly and uh, you know work out and you know eat as health healthfully as he knew how um so i think that's all part of it you know like so it can keep you competing at a high level it can um help with the longevity so you can be competing at a high level for much much longer and another thing uh, to talk to consider where it's like in in sports nowadays you might hear people say like oh the the veteran fighter the you hear it a lot actually in sumo wrestling if you guys watch pro sumo um you'll you'll talk about like oh the veteran fighter he's like 32 i don't know how long he'll he'll stay or whatever but it's like but then you'll actually have sumo pro sumo wrestlers that are actually 40 years old and still still winning matches and um so frank gotch in his book he didn't consider a wrestler to be mature so with regards to that whole body mind aspect of knowing how to stay calm and knowing what move to use uh at the right time and stuff until they reached age 40 so um so that's so the the whole age that 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 comes up in particular that age because quite often in Western society that's considered like over the hill or whatever, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. A lot of times it's how you think about something uh, will reflect in the way your body reacts, right? So your brain again is ultimately the the conductor, or you can think of your brain as the general, and your body as the troops or the orchestra that follows the orders of the leader ultimately. So you got to be um, thinking about the whole honesty thing. Another lesson that we did a few videos ago was um, ultimately the, the farmer Burns mentioned the, the power of optimism in your life and in your health outcomes and stuff like that. So uh, having these types of uh, beliefs and ideals will help not only uh, you perform better, but it'll help your body. Uh, you can think like age better. Right. So you can still be at a high, high performance level longer. All right, let's get to the next question here. Um, let me see. OK, yeah, yeah. So we, 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 we discussed the whole integrating the mindset of Qigong and yoga and stuff like that. So whatever, and ultimately I think it was like whatever you like. And some people like Pilates. I've never taken a Pilates class or whatever, but I, I like uh, the a lot of the Chinese martial arts stuff and I like yoga. So I'll continue doing all those. Um, but if you find something you like uh, that's not harming yourself or other people, then uh, I say go for it. Uh, I, I like yoga in particular because I believe a lot of those movements really, I don't, it's not a, I don't believe I like, I know that a lot of those movements, um, not only are they kind of, they kind of get you on the ground, on the mat, uh, doing a lot of wrestling positions. Um, but they, you have to hold these positions a lot so that I ultimately results in stronger joints overall. So like stronger elbow joints, stronger shoulder wrist and stuff. So then that, um, can make you a more resilient wrestler as well. And it, it can help minimize, injuries as well as also like uh strength training so like doing all the weights and stuff like that um all right okay so uh i think i might have spoken enough and i think uh, hopefully i got my point across and i think this is thank you for uh chatting with me everybody 
Um, yeah, like uh, there's a lot that we we discussed. Oh, D England outdoor workouts are the best. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And with the since I'm in LA, we have uh, uh, more of a stricter quarantine for the coronavirus. So that's actually shut down a lot of gyms. So it's actually pushed a lot of workouts to be done outside. So uh, I'm enjoying all of that. Because um, I used to where I grew up was uh, in in the desert, so I used to go jogging outside anyway. And I believe that became kind of like a meditation for me, where it's like you're just jogging in the middle of tumbleweeds and whatnot, sand dunes and all that. So uh, it's just you and your thoughts and your breathing, and that ultimately becomes uh, a way of meditating. Uh, and so I feel kind of like thankful for for that aspect and that I can run outside now and uh, kind of get back to that whole uh, that whole kind of meditative aspect while you're jogging. Um, all right. Okay. So, uh, respect to you, Joe Biden, CCP agent. And so hopefully we'll see you guys, uh, next week. And also this is available. This will be available tomorrow in podcast form, uh, up on our, um, you know, you can see the link down below on, on our podcast platform. We're on anchor. Um, so that should be available on Spotify and uh, Google and iTunes and all that, uh, tomorrow. Also, you consider you can consider joining this channel. We're actually going to put up a couple of videos with regards to uh, Dick Cardinal and the move everyone seems to be uh, uh, referring to when they talk about him, the West Point ride. So that's going to be our video uh, that we're going to post on Monday. And but we're going to do we filmed a, a variation of that West Point ride. Uh, we'll go ahead and put that for members only. So you can consider joining our channel. Um, or even joining, um, if you want to become a member of the CWA Academy, feel free to do that too. Um, and there's also a membership tier here that it can you can join both, right? So if you join that one, it's called Super Student Tier. Then just let me know, and then I'll I'll have to take your email and then enroll you into into both. But you'll get access to all our lessons and um, the, all the behind the scenes videos for the members of this channel. All right. All right. Okay. Yes. So, yep. CCP agent. <laughs> uh, thanks. Uh, stay strong, my friends. Yep. Everyone stay strong and keep real wrestling alive. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. <laughs>